But I do want to talk about um, Google Ads because, I mean, you and I both know that Google Ads are, are like the high velocity way to get search traffic to your website. We have so much data on these click-through rates on Spanish campaigns far exceed the average click-through rate on the legal industry. So, so yeah. So the average click-through rate in the legal industry fluctuates anywhere between 3 to 4%, right, uh, on search ads. We don't have an account that has less than 10%, right? Wow. And we have accounts that have more than 50% click-through rate. Wow. But just think about that 50% click-through rate. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Answering Legal's Everything Except the Law podcast. I am your host, Nick Worker. If this is your first time tuning in, this is the podcast where we share expert advice on all the parts of running a law firm that attorneys weren't exactly trained for back in law school. So today on the show, we have another really exciting and unique marketing conversation for you. Uh, our guest today is the co-owner of a digital marketing agency based in Austin, Texas called Nanato Media. He and his wife, Natalie, have written a new book called Beyond Se Habla Español, How Lawyers Win the Hispanic Market, which we'll be discussing in depth throughout this episode. Liel, thank you for joining me. Nick, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's a great honor to be here. And thank you for agreeing to have a conversation about Beyonce Habla Español, which, by the way, your pronunciation is uh, terrific. I think it actually adds to the uh, purpose that we've decided to name uh, the book that way, right? <laughs> and so, yes. And so the reason why we wrote this book is really simple. Um, we felt that despite everything uh, that we've been through over the past year and so in terms of... Um, social reconciliation um, uh, a social reconciliation period, there still isn't enough awareness out there about the importance that the Hispanic demographic plays uh, for law firms, uh, particularly plenty of law firms. And so we felt that one way to expand our reach and potentially help build more awareness about this very powerful demographic group was uh, through writing a book because not everyone uh, comes and reads our blog articles in our website. Not everyone is following us on social media. Not everyone comes and listens to our podcast. So, hey, a book should help with uh, these other efforts we're putting out there. So that's really the, the purpose of it. I love it. And I love, I love like business practices that end up in a niche or a niche um, because, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's something after my own heart too, right? Like uh, I was, I, I started working at just an answering service back in the day and we ended up evolving into being a specialized niche answering service just for legal. Um, so I love the focus on, you know, like a, a, a subset of the market, but it's really not even a subset of the market if you think about it, because the Spanish speaking community, Hispanic clientele are, they're, they're, they're so abundant. I really don't have another yeah. word. I think you're absolutely right. Depending on your practice area and your location, they are the market, right? Um, in many cases. So you're, you're, you're absolutely right that it's not like a minority, a small little niche that you need to just take into consideration for the purpose of being inclusive, but not necessarily because it's good for business. That's BS. Uh, there is really a lot of potential in the Hispanic market, right? Um, whether you align or not with um, everything that has to do with becoming and being more multicultural, being more inclusive as a business, as a law firm, which I 100% advocate for, and you should, uh, business-wise, numbers-wise, the Hispanic market makes a lot of sense for any law firm. It doesn't really matter where you are, right? A lot of people think and say, well, I'm in North Dakota, I'm in South Dakota. Why do I care about the Hispanic market? Well, actually, these last two markets that I've mentioned doubled their population over the last 10 years, right? And they're in track to continue doing that over the next coming years. So if you think that you can ignore or not put enough effort into a strategy that um, is aimed at 30% of the U, well, 20% now of the U.S. Uh, total population and 
uh, in, on track of becoming at 30% of the total population of the United States, then your uh, future, your vision for the future is uh, not clear. I so agree with you. And for me, like, yes, there's always a monetary, like we're all here to make money, right? We go to work because we need to make money to pay for our, where we live and our cars and our families and school and all that stuff, right? You know, money is a is really your ticket to doing things that you want to do. So yeah. we have to make money at the end of the day. You wouldn't but, believe it, but some people say money is king. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so I talk to lawyers and all too often, I, I they, they tell me that they, lawyers tell me that they went into the practice of law to help people. So if you want to help everybody, how are you going to ignore 30% of the population like you were just saying? And uh, I, I love the title of the book. I think the title of the book is so clever because you're telling, you're, you're, you're essentially saying going beyond just saying se habla espanol, right? Like how do you really cater to the Hispanic market besides just the, the generic like sign on the window that says That's right. we speak Spanish? So I, I want to ask you, not not why do you feel that law firms should be putting like more focus on connecting with hispanic hispanic clients but how can they how can they how can they they better target their efforts in in a way that that's helpful yeah well obviously um the best way that they can put themselves in front of this uh group of people that are also in need of their services and are potentially right now searching for someone that can help them out is by making us available uh, available uh, to them, right? And so it all starts with awareness. It all starts by making sure that they can discover you, right? And when you have figured out how can you make yourself discoverable to them, making sure that that the uh, first interaction process and the entire journey of you uh, having a partnership with them is actually a good experience for them, right? And this really shouldn't come as striking to anyone listening to this podcast because it's any it's any anyway what you already do for your English speaking market, right? You need to make sure that they know what you do, where you are, how they can reach out to you, and when they reach out to you. You just have figured out a system where you can actually service these people in a way that it both helps you, helps them, and hopefully everyone's going to be happy by the end of it. And so you basically need to figure out how to do that in Spanish. And what we are telling lawyers is that it's not as hard as they think. Not every single person in your law firm needs to be uh, fluent in speaking Spanish. Not the lawyer definitely doesn't have to be a Spanish speaker, right? There's a lot of great success stories of law firms that do a terrific job catering to the Hispanic market where the um, uh, main lawyer uh, is not necessarily a Spanish speaker lawyer, right? Or none of the managing partners are actually Spanish speakers. But what they've done is that they've still created a message, created a strategy to engage, to attract, to um, show interest in their local Hispanic market. And then they created a process in their law firm where Hispanics can come and be serviced by the law firm in whichever way they feel comfortable, be that English or Spanish. Because I don't wanna uh, portray a picture here that all Hispanics only speak Spanish, right? There's uh, a lot of Hispanics that are recent arrivals that have been here in the United States for less than 10 years. Those are the most likely to want to speak Spanish with you. But there's a lot of US-born Hispanics that they are equally comfortable speaking Spanish or English. The thing about Spanish really is that it's a um, cultural identifier for Hispanics, right? And when you're trying to build trust with anything or anyone, you want things that are familiar to you. And Spanish is a good way for them to find that quicker, right? So you tend to go after and look and search for things that you're familiar with, uh, that look like you, right? That have the same background than you do because you feel that you're going to be more accepted, more understood. And so that's why you may have at times people who are perfectly 
uh, fluent in English, yet when they're searching for a lawyer, they're searching in Spanish because for them, it's very important to work with a law firm that understands them culturally. Does that make sense to you? That makes so much sense to me. And uh, I think I think the reason that people don't understand is, especially in America, and not really anymore because there is more of a focus on being multilingual um, in the education system now than there was, you know, maybe a couple decades ago. But uh, so I studied German at the college level. Um, I actually almost received my degree in German, but I did not. Um, and you're totally <laughs> That's wonderful. Right. I, yeah. So well, I'm sure I'm sure you have a lot. You have a very big repertoire of words that you don't have in English to describe very specific instances and feelings and emotions. It's uh, because awesome. German is known for that, right? German has very specific words that like normally you would have to use an entire sentence to describe a thing. Um, so you're totally right. Um, and the the funny story about my German is, is like. I'm from Long Island. We were just discussing this and there's, there's a big Spanish speaking population on Long Island and especially in New York as well, um, which is similar to you in Texas. Uh, so when I was in like middle school and high school, junior high, high school, uh, all of my friends, all of my friends were signing up to take Spanish in school. And, uh, and my mom, for whatever reason was like, absolutely not. You're not taking Spanish. Uh, you're going to take German because it's going to be somehow more useful to you. Um, and uh, so I ended I, up. I, taking, I wonder what the argument the argument was there, but uh, I don't remember. And I was I was kind of like a good boy. I was like, okay, mom, like I'll go take German, um, and I was really really good at it. And so, you know, at one point I was very fluent in German. I I studied it um, at the college level. We used to just watch movies in German and documentaries, and then you'd have to write reports about it and just talk. And I took conversational German, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but if I were to move to Germany, right, say I picked up my career, I started uh, marketing in Germany, um, you know, I bring my wife, my dog, my whole life goes there. If I had an accident and I had to go find a lawyer in Germany, I don't, I, I think you're right. I think my first instinct would to be to try and speak in English, even though my second language is just as strong. Not because I'm I'm not confident in my second language, but because like, when you're reaching out for help, going to a lawyer is not one of those things that you go, or maybe maybe it is, I don't know. But for a lot of people, for the majority, it's not one of those things you 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 get because you're doing uh, you're doing well. You want some help, right? When you're looking out for help, you want to feel comfortable, you want to feel at ease, and finding someone who can really give you that comfortability is going to be super important to them. Um, so I want to talk about. Because I'm going to use a word, it's called a, a word cringy, right? So you mm -hmm. see like, uh, yeah. like one of the, one of the new backlashes on, on social media is that corporations are very like distastefully using the pride month and changing their logos to yeah. be rainbows. And, and, you know, yeah. it's, it's off putting to people, not, not because of the intention, but because of the execution, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to be genuine in your messaging yeah. in order to connect with people. So I want to hear, maybe these will be funny too, right? So what are some of the common mistakes, mistakes really, like that you see uh, law firms making when they're attempting to reach out to the Hispanic market? Yeah, totally. So yeah, you're absolutely right what you're saying about uh, Pride Month and, you know, everybody likes to get on the bandwagon during June, uh, you know, create a logo in the color of the rainbows, change their profile peak for 30 days. And then it's, you know, July 1st and we're back business as usual. We've got all the conversations and all of the promises and statements that we've made and, you know, uh, what people are saying, right? And this is interesting because uh, that is indeed the sentiment out there in social networks is that brands are just using these uh, opportunities to build brand awareness, period. And what happens is that there is a backlash on this because um, search engines, right, are noticing that search engine are reading all of these comments and all of this backlash. And so basically it's backfiring on brands because those who are talking and they're making all of these noise and promises and they're not walking the talk then, they're actually uh, losing relevancy. Uh, and it's not just a matter of 
the uh, impact that it's having into the reputation and brand name, but um, this is actually getting reflected in uh, really how search engines rank them. I know uh, it's um, it's a thing that we haven't really gotten used to talk and uh, hear a lot say, but it's certainly uh, becoming uh, a ranking factor is your overall reputation and what people and what's mm -hmm. the social sentiment around your brand, right? And we're talking here about big enterprises. Obviously, a local law firm or such may not necessarily be uh, heavily impacted by uh, putting out a message during Pride Month and then not doing anything to actually support uh, the uh, LGBTQ community throughout the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. So back to your question. Um, what are some of the mistakes that I see law firms make when it comes down to their uh, Spanish marketing strategies? Well, I guess the first and most obvious one is trying to replicate their English marketing strategy um, in Spanish. And just doesn't work, right? Different message, different target audience, this different demographic group. You should actually think and create the message based on who they are, what are their needs. The best way of doing that is um, actually interact with your community, bring people from the community to your law firm, right? Um, and if you are a small team and you cannot just hire someone from the Hispanic community just you know, to make your law firm more diverse, uh, you probably had already Hispanic clients. So pay, um, take some more time to learn about them, to have conversations with them, right? To get to know their communities, right? If you cannot do your own community outreach events, then go to community events of the Hispanic community to learn more about them. So educate yourself and create a message based on um, who your Hispanic market is, um, how do they communicate, how do they talk, what are their interests, what are their concerns, um, and not imposing them on them because that's your strategy in English and that's what you've seen work in English. Another issue is uh, not finding the right partner to do so. Uh, the reality is that if you don't speak Spanish and if you have no experience in marketing in Spanish, chances are that you're not going to have great results marketing in Spanish because marketing is not easy, right? Anyone who is trying to convince you that marketing is an easy thing, it's really not, right? Uh, and that doesn't mean that you cannot do it. Every single uh, platform, be that Facebook, Google, TikTok, you name it, they're making it as easy as possible for you to run campaigns, for you to create content, for you to actually um, put yourself out there. But that doesn't mean that you're going to have uh, success at it. It's the truth. So uh, having the right partner to help you make that marketing strategy a success will definitely have meaningful results. And... I think the last part is people who actually do the first thing, the first two things that we that I've mentioned here, they they do have a general awareness of their Hispanic market. Heck, they may even have uh, Latinos working in the law firm. Then they have a partner, or they have a way that they can actually create uh, a decent uh, Hispanic marketing strategy but then they don't have the internal processes to really serve those Hispanic clients in a frictionless way, right? So make that experience a great one. And the reason why I think the third mistake, people don't see it as necessary or that meaningful or that critical is because there is not a lot of law firms right now that are doing a great job at it. And so by doing a pretty mediocre um, job, you can still see results. You can still get away with it because there is no one yet who is um, doing a terrific job in your market potentially. But the moment that someone starts doing an above average job in the client experience and in everything else that we've just mentioned, everybody else is going to be left out because they're not going to be attractive enough anymore to the market. And so I think the Hispanic market is a great example of how a lot of law firms have been able to get away with a lot by doing very little. And that's coming to an end very soon. I like that you said that you, right now, especially, you only really have to do an above average job. And I think that um, mentally, we hold ourselves back when we go to try something new you know there there might be lawyers listening to this podcast right now who who are like 
yeah, I'm just your run of the mill, like white guy in uh, a pretty white market. Um, you know, I don't know if like reaching out to my local Hispanic community is going to be that fruitful for my firm. I don't even know how to go about doing it. And I wouldn't do a good enough job anyway. I would just look like an idiot and I would fail. Well, I would charge you to at least, you know, follow what Liel is saying and, and try to find a good partner who can do a good job for you and, and really, and, 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 and help you get better. You know, one of the things that, that really holds people back is like a beginner's mindset. Nobody wants to be a beginner at anything. You know, everybody wants to be the expert in their field, but nobody wants to try anything new. Um, and uh, you know, it's funny because I used to be, I tell everybody this really. So I'm a broken record, I know. But I started out here in sales and I would talk to a lot of lawyers and tell them, hey, you know, we're, we're bilingual. We have English and Spanish speaking receptionists. And uh, if, if the firm was predominantly Spanish, the major concern is, well, is Spanish their first language? And for a lot of my receptionists, that is true. You know, Spanish is, is the first language for a lot of them, but some of them, you know, it's a second language or they just speak it at home and, and, and they're still fluent. But a lot of the lawyers that I spoke to were like, what am I going to do with that? I don't have anybody that speaks Spanish in my law firm. I can't, I can't cater to that community. And it's like, but you could start just by having, you know, someone able to, to make the first point of contact with a Spanish speaking caller to your firm. And, and, and people are missing out on it just because they don't want to be new at it is, is, is where I'm going with this. And I think what you're saying is so true. If you don't know, ask. You can go into your community and, and, and really engage with these people and find out what they care about, find out how they would like to be, um, I'm not going to say marketed to, but like what would they be looking for if they were looking for help in, in a law firm? Um, and, and all of that advice is really free. You don't really need to go pay anybody to, to give you that data. You could just kind of engage with people you know, conversationally. Um, so speaking of that, when, when law firms are assembling a, an online marketing strategy, where should, they, where should they begin if they're going to assemble a strategy that would help them win the business of Hispanic prospects? Great. Um, it's a good question and a really simple answer. You go where people are searching for lawyers, right? And this is applicable for both English and Spanish strategies. So in today's world, as you very well know, when you need something and you don't have no one to tell you or refer you or recommend you something, who do you turn to? Google, right? And so you go to Google and ask, best personal injury lawyer near me, bankruptcy lawyer in Austin, Texas, immigration lawyer in New York, right? And so you wanna make sure that people can see you right on the top of the page when Google search uh, shows them their results page, right? And so that is my recommendation. Get yourself on the top in the most visible position that you can aim for when people are completing these search queries. So the answer to your question is you go to the search network in Google. And because our, um, to get yourself to rank organically, it's probably going to be a heck of a journey. Uh, possible, 100%. And we have a lot of partners that we help them with that. And we do a great job at it as well, I might add. But uh, the fastest way to get there is through paid ads. It's pay-per-click. And so that's what I would start, right? Now, when would I recommend not to do that? Well, maybe you say, you know what? We're not into actually generating right now clients uh, immediately. We want more of the brand awareness. We want more of the community outreach. We want more uh, put our name out there. Uh, then certainly you can go and launch with a branding campaign, do a lot of billboards, do a lot of TV, do a lot of social media, right? Uh, but that's a long-term strategy. If your goal is to generate clients today, the week that you launch your campaign, you have to go to the search network. I, I agree with you. Um, and I do want to ask you, because we, we kind of spoke about this before, is that 
no one, well, I shouldn't say no one, very few firms are really doing an above average job at catering to the Hispanic market. Um, aside from, from like straight up Hispanic law firms. Uh, so do you think that there's an abundance of opportunity for people to start really capitalizing on those types of keywords in, in Google search organically? Like, I think the speed at which you could get those if people aren't really targeting those keywords organically could be pretty high. A hundred percent. That it's a very, very simple answer. Yes. A hundred percent. You can definitely, you can definitely, um, get yourself where you want to be in organic ranking, providing again, that you have a technically terrific website, excellent on-site SEO, terrific architecture, really good user, uh, user experience, uh, page speed optimization, and most importantly, great content, right? Uh, so if you really work on it, find a great partner to help you on getting there, you can 100% self get yourself to rank. Because again, there is not a lot of competition. There is not a lot of people doing a great job at it. So massive opportunity there. Yeah, as you were saying that, I was just thinking, because I'm an SEO nerd, that's that's what I basically focus on these days. And I was like, well, I can't imagine that the competition is very high for those keywords. So that might be low hanging fruit. But I do want to talk about um, Google ads because, I mean, you and I both know that Google ads are, are like the high velocity way to get search traffic to your website. So I, I know you cover this in the book in depth um, and that they're, they're a really powerful powerful, excuse me, tool for attracting Hispanic prospects. Can you talk a little bit about why this seems to be the case? Well, it's not just about, right, what we've just mentioned a few minutes ago, that people go to Google to find the answers to things that they don't know and to find help by, of service providers of uh, things that they need uh, help with. Um, there is an added component when you're looking at a Hispanic market, right? And that's that the way they go a lot about interacting with Google is they use it as a means to something else, to the next step. And so what we are seeing based out of more than 10 years focused in the Hispanic market, in digital platforms, is that A, they like ads. The reason why they like search ads is not only because they're on the top of the page, they're visible. And many times when they're properly crafted, they speak specifically to their intent. They answer their questions. And it basically creates a shortcut to the next step that they want to go to, which is getting on the phone with a lawyer or someone from a law firm to answer their questions, right? And that's where they make the decision, I'm hiring this law firm or not. That's when they'll decide whether they'll give you and trust you with their case or not. It's with that personal interaction. And that's why I cannot stress enough how critical intake is going to be for your um, Spanish marketing strategy. You can have the best strategy in the world. If you do not deliver at intake, it's not going to reach its full potential. You may still sign clients. You may still get cases, but you're not going to really be able to squeeze really every single bit of um, return on investment that you could from that strategy. So you have here not just a less competitive um, set of keywords that tend to also be more affordable in pay-per-click in Spanish, but you also have a market that is more likely to click on ads than your average English speaker. And, and that is, that's a fact, like we we've have so much data on these click-through rates on Spanish campaigns far exceed the average click-through rate on the legal industry. So, so yeah, so the average click-through rate in the legal industry fluctuates anywhere between three to four percent, right? Uh, on search ads, we don't have an account that has less than ten percent, right? Wow. And we have accounts that have more than fifty percent click-through rate. Wow. But just think about that fifty percent click-through rate. 
And these are not branded campaigns. These are actual practice area campaigns. Um, and so there is a massive opportunity there because the intent is there, because you have a market that actually likes ads because they know that what's on the organic search results tend to be very mediocre. There's not a lot of uh, very interesting pages from law firms that have taken the time and steps and efforts to create amazing or um, practice area pages with video, with infographics, interactive, that load fast, that have information that it's useful for them, that it's written in a language that is conversational to them, right? And so the ads help them find what they need fast and efficiently and get them to the next step where they want to just talk with someone and realize, is this actually the right thing for me or not? Right. Now that is extremely interesting um, because I'm a data person. I like to make decisions based on data. Um, and I like to know the intent of, of my audience before I try to <clears throat> really create content for them. And I think that you're right. My assumption as to why the Hispanic market might not like the organic results as much as they they do the, the paid results is because they've learned that they can't rely on the organic results, that these law firms are not delivering the experience that, that really they're looking for. And, uh, and you're so right. And, and listen, shameless plug here. Uh, my bread and butter is on legal intake. Um, if I'm not doing a good job at intake for law firms, I, I would have to close up shop and, uh, and, and find something else to do with my life. So all too often on this podcast, I'm talking about the, the, the importance of legal intake and the client intake process and, and taking steps to ensure that a law firm's new leads actually become paying clients. Um, so what are some things that law firms should know about performing their firm's intake process with Hispanic clientele? All right, great. So very good question. And um, some of the answers are very simple, right? Um, if you're running campaigns in Spanish, then make sure that any calls coming out of this campaign are actually answered in Spanish. Like everything, right? The hello needs to be in Spanish. And uh, this is something that a lot of law firms struggle to get. And it's such an easy fix. It's such an easy fix. You don't have to have different phone lines. You don't have to have different agents. You don't have to overcomplicate things. If you have a bilingual uh, phone operator, right? There are so many ways that you can, the same line, the same telephone number, right? The same everything gets, gets them notified just by whispering a, 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 a one second message as they're answering the phone, letting them know this is a Spanish speaker right? With call tracking, you can do that very easily. And so you just let them know this is a Spanish speaker caller, and then they know, okay, I'm going to speak in Spanish. But even though they have all of that set it up, they still answer everything in English, right? And then they turn in Spanish. They wait for the actual caller to say, well, they've just been answered and they are, did a whole intro. Uh, welcome to the Smith Law Firm. This is uh, Angelica. How can I help you, right? Did that happen in English? And so now the caller needs to request to change the language in the language to Spanish. And that's a terrible experience. That's a terrible experience. And that's why exactly I say when law firms start doing a better job, when a local law firm starts doing that differently and they start actually answering their phone calls in Spanish, those small things are just making the entire process uh, more frictionless to the users. And that's gonna lead to the market favoring one law firm over the other. Because at the end of the day, uh, why should they go and try to entrust their case to someone that is making it harder for them to do so, right? Going back to your example of being in Germany and potentially being injured and then looking for a doctor, it's very simple, right? You may still go and search in German because, hey, you're in Germany. Maybe there's no one around here that actually... Uh, speaks English uh, as I would like to, uh, you know, the specialist that I need. But then you're searching on Google and you're finding, right, one. And then you're finding another one that has not just the information in German, but they have it in English as well, right? 
And so you're automatically going to gravitate towards the one that has German and English because it's making it easier for you from the get-go to entrust them with you know, your medical treatment because you can understand you have been able to already connect with them in some way or another. And so that's exactly what I think law firms are dismissing a lot of times when it comes down to their intake. They are not necessarily seeing how they can start the whole process uh, for the Spanish speakers by giving them a great experience from the get-go, right? And hey, there's a lot of people out there that are doing it, uh, but um, the majority are not. So kudos to those who already have a great system in place. Uh, and for those who are doing marketing to the Hispanic market, but they are not having a great intake process, it's time to sit down, revisit, have some tough conversations, set up some standards and start um, holding uh, your teams uh, accountable, right? Through checklists, give them ownership of the tasks. Now, um, another one is, I think, not using empathy, right? And, and I say, you know, empathy is a, is, is a term that's been thrown out quite a, a lot. It's used probably uh, very frequently in most legal conversations nowadays. But you see, what I tend to notice is that some people are just scripting empathy into their um, telephone intake process, right? And, and that's not what empathy is about. You cannot script empathy. You cannot uh, anticipate uh, finding what will be the right words to say uh, that are going to be applicable to every single caller, to every single case. And so what I notice is that some people are just uh, doing their intake and they're just automatically plugging a word like lamento que está pasando por esto en donde ocurrió su accidente, right? So, uh, sorry to hear, do you have a police report, right? <laughs> That's not empathy. And people are treating it as such. Well, you know, I'm showing concern. We're saying the right word. So you may be saying the right words. You're not showing empathy, right? You're not showing or doing anything to uh, put yourself in the shoes of the person that is calling you. And you shouldn't just stop at empathy, right? You should also uh, practice kindness. You should also uh, practice sympathy when it's applicable, right? You're not a 911 dispatcher, right? You definitely wanna make sure that you're reassuring people by uh, letting them know that number one, they're in their right hands, that now that they've involved you into this, um, you'll do everything in your power to try to help them, whether you can or not, right? And say that in a very sincere way. And that that is what's gonna land you the cases, right? And again, not a lot of people are doing this very genuinely. And those who start doing it are going to have a massive advantage over the law firms, over law firms who are not, because this is what's going to get you the referrals. This is what's going to get you word of mouth. And we all know no marketing, no marketing can compete with that. So definitely make sure that you are uh, practicing real empathy, not just scripted empathy. Um, and I think really, as long as you're doing these two things, you're in take, you're going to be fine, right? I think, uh, there's other things that you can certainly do a little bit more technical that could help, um, that will definitely make your client experience more smooth. Text messaging is a very, very powerful tool that Latinos like to use. So if you're setting them an appointment to your law firm, uh, Make sure that you're sending them the address via text message so they can they just click on it and it opens up their app, uh, maps app on their phone and then they can drive to your location, right? Uh, if you can e-sign them, right? That's something that particularly now after COVID um, 
if you can offer them that option and they're interested and happy about that, then go for it, right? I mean, uh, offer that as an option, but understand that many are not gonna want to um, e-sign a document. We're gonna want to actually meet with our representative or with someone at the law firm. So understand that, and that's part of what you will discover when you're actually doing your market research. I have one more thing that as I was answering uh, or giving you this last point came to mind is that um, for Latinos, it's very important to know that the law firm they're talking uh, with um, is local to them. So whenever you are not local to them because you are running a statewide campaign and you are in one city and they're calling you from another city and such, uh, be very clever about the way that you explain and why uh, they should still consider hiring you even though you're not a law firm that they can drive to and be there that same day or the next day, right? So uh, there's many different things that you can explain and say to still compel them to want to work with you, even though you're not physically present where they are. But I can 100% tell you that uh, Latinos will 100% favor a law firm that is present, that is on their, um, on their hometown. So that was a ton of just great information. And, uh, and I have to do a shameless plug here, right? So obviously, I have, I have a lot of re virtual receptionists. I have about, I shouldn't say I, we uh, employ mm. about 150 virtual receptionists. Um, I don't know how many are native Spanish speakers. I really should find out because I think that would be a cool statistic to like publish on the site and, and have available to me, but there is never a time and there has never been a time where even for a lapse of five minutes that we have not had a Spanish speaking receptionist on the premises ready to handle calls for Spanish speaking firms. It does not happen. Um, and you're so right that you don't need multiple cell phones and, you know, multiple phone lines and all of this stuff to, to answer the phone in Spanish because you can just get different tracking numbers. And it's so easy. And it's really, honestly, I think it's either free or very, very cheap to know when someone is calling your, your Spanish advertising line or your English advertising line. And what we do for for a lot of the firms that want to cater to Hispanic clients is just that we have, it could be a solo law firm, one, one lawyer say she practices. I mean, for the sake of the argument, she practices immigration. I actually know someone really great. Uh, she's, she's in New York city and I'm thinking of her specifically. I'm not going to name her cause I don't know if she would be okay with that, but uh, she has a few Spanish advertising lines and a few English advertising lines. And depending on, so the, the calls don't really route like that in my system, but but because we have so many Spanish speaking receptionists, when the calls come in, the greeting on my prompt on my end will come up in Spanish. So you just, you see it in Spanish and you know, okay, I'm about to have a Spanish conversation. Oh, okay, I'm about to have an English conversation. Uh, we used to do Portuguese. Oh, okay, I'm about to have a Portuguese conversation. Um, and you don't want it, to, it's the same thing as if like, I, I'm going to make this comparison, say you're like a handyman, right? Mm -hmm. And somebody is calling you because they have a plumbing problem and they found your website and they know that you do plumbing. Well, you don't have a dedicated line for plumbing and you just answer the phone, Liel, the handyman, hello. Well, somebody's going to be like, what? I, I, I'm trying to call a plumber. Are you, do you, oh yeah, I do plumbing it's just very off-putting and you're like why would that person answer the phone like this am i being deceived in some way is this a scam you know who did i call and it's and, and you don't want to go with that person anymore because you're not comfortable um and and the empathy thing is something that i talk about with a lot of intake people on a lot of like webinars that i do um and the way that I try to teach uh, the, the legal community to, to practice empathy is to mirror the caller's um, like tone, right? 
So if somebody's calling you, say, uh, say somebody's calling you and they're really happy, they're joking around with you, you know, hey, good morning, how's it going? How's the weather over there? Oh, uh, you know, I just, I just came outside. It's a beautiful day. Well, you're going to want to be jovial with them back, mm. you know, give them that energy that they're giving you. But mm -hmm. if they're upset and concerned and, and really downtrodden and say they're calling about a bankruptcy, I, I can't imagine that that's a great thing that you would want to go through and that you'd be calling yeah. in, in a great mood. Well, you don't want to joke with them and say like, Hey buddy, you know, like you got enough money to pay for this. No, that's not funny. You know, and they're not going to take it that way. You want to be, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, mm -hmm. we're going to do everything that we can to make sure that this is a, a, as, as smooth a process for you as possible and, uh, and be reassuring. So these are just simple things that, that you can do that really get your caller and your potential customer to put their guard down and put their trust in you a little bit. Um, and, and sympathy, you know, some, I think sympathy has a place once you've established empathy, right? Correct. So sympathy is, is one of those things that you can definitely say like, Oh, you know, I, I really understand your situation and I'm really sorry to hear that, you know, and, and you can use your personal experiences in order to make that person feel better too. Like, Hey, you know, I've been there, um, you know, and uh, I understand what you're going through and we're going to get through this together. Um, or it could be a good thing. You know, maybe somebody's calling about, I don't know. They want to put together a trust for their kid because they just hit a lot, hit the lottery. They're like, Hey, I just hit the lottery. I got $10 million. I want to set my son up for life. You know, I, I don't know, but I imagine yeah. that would be a happy thing. I've never won the lottery, so I wouldn't be able to uh, sympathize yeah. with that person, but you get what I'm saying. Um, some, some cases it's going to be applicable, right? And it, and it's fine. And, and that's the whole point is be human in your calls, right? Don't be transactional. Don't be robotic. Um, and I think it's it's not a flat it's not a set rule for everything. There's not going to be always room for sympathy, but it should always be room for empathy. And I think there is unfortunately a trend that is uh, making a lot of intake teams at law firms handle calls in a very transactional way, which definitely doesn't help with trust building. And it's definitely not um, helping the law firm to convince cases that are on the fence, people who are not too sure whether they want to hire a lawyer or that particular law firm to handle their case. And again, because law firms are still, they have been able to sign cases without necessarily uh, having to opt their empathy game much they are, you know, they say, well, why, why fix if it's not broken? The, the point here is that very soon it will be. And if you completely wait for this to uh, be turned into tiny little pieces, you're not going to be able to fix it and put it back together. By that time, you know, your competitor is already, you know, dominating your market. 100%. Eating your lunch is, is what I was thinking about. Um, yeah. So... I want to give you a chance to like, because I did a shameless plug. I want to I want to hear your shameless plug of this book. So, what do you think is the biggest thing that that those who are running a law firm will gain from reading your book? I think really there is two main things um, that can be learned from this book. The first one is developing more awareness as to who your Hispanic market is. Right, Hispanics us. We're not monolithic. We're not just one type of Hispanic. There's a lot of Hispanics. And in our book, we um, divide them into five different uh, segments, right? Uh, which they're actually segments that we did not came up with. These are actually um, segments that are popular in the marketing world that handles uh, cultural marketing, particularly the Hispanic market, right? So you're going to learn who those segments are, and you're going to be able to identify already uh, just by reading the book, what are the interests, how each one of these different segments profile, what are their differences and how you can potentially interact with each one of them, right? And that will already help you better understand who, or which one of these segments is more predominant in your community. And that's going to help you uh, start building a foundation of where and how your marketing strategy should be. Now, our marketing book for some 
it's going to be really kind of like a guide, like kind of like the missing piece of what they were uh, um, missing out when it comes down to building up their um, Hispanic marketing strategy. If you already have um, native Spanish speakers in your team that have experience with marketing, if you already have people who are very proficient on pay-per-click and that they have run in the past pay-per-click in Spanish, right? Now, this book will definitely help them fine-tune the strategies, will help them make better decisions about uh, how to run those campaigns and be way more effective of it, uh, at it. But if you do not, well, at least this book is going to give you enough education so that you can start making better decisions about marketing as a whole, and particularly uh, understand the difference about the way that you make certain decisions about, you know, your English-speaking market and how would you decide on certain things for your Hispanic, your Spanish-speaking market, and be able to sit down on the table with your uh, agency partners or with your uh, in-house marketing team and be able to um, know what is likely to work and what is not likely to work and how you can make uh, better decisions about what plans you have in the future, right? And I think, you know, that's powerful because the more you know, the more educated you are, then the more successful you're going to be at leading your team into uh, winning the Hispanic market. So it's a real shortcut to becoming a marketing uh, expert, a uh, Hispanic marketing expert in what? Two or three days that it will take you to read the book. It's uh, a very easy read. It's very conversational. It's not a very technical book. And it's full with uh, examples and real uh, data from both our agency and from very, 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 very well uh, established and re reliable uh, marketing sources and government sources and, you know, uh, market, marketing uh, um, communities such as Nielsen, Claritas, uh, Pure Research. I mean, it's, it's very well backed up. There's, I think, over 300 citations uh, wow. in, the, in, the, in the book. Uh, just referencing, right, all of the data that we use to actually make the arguments we make. Liel, I would like to thank you so much for joining me on the show today. And, uh, and thank you to all of our listeners. We, hoped, we hope that you enjoyed this conversation. And we will be back with another episode of Everything Except the Law soon. So be sure to check out previous episodes of our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, everywhere you can listen to podcasts and also the Answering Legal YouTube channel. See you next time, everyone.